Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You know I give you a moment to come into the room and get settled in. You're probably coming off of a call. You might be coming out of a meeting or two. Please take note of the housekeeping details that are in the chat. Let's be respectful at all times. I have a real live guru in this room with me today, and I'm excited to get into this conversation with him. Uh, we've got some great stuff for you coming today. Let's uh, let's talk about it a little bit. Change your chat settings to everyone down at the bottom right and tell us where you are tuning in from in the chat. Uh, oddly, Jason was telling me he was not much of a traveler before getting involved in sales training. Shout out to NYC. What up? Chicago in the house. I see you. San Francisco, my home away from home. I miss you until I get there. We got a couple of people coming in from Florida. Like. <laughs> well, so flow action. Shout out Miami. That's my actual hometown, Memphis, Tennessee, where neighbors hit me up. Great barbecue down in Memphis. Boston in the house. Oh, Milwaukee. <laughs> You're from Florida, James? I didn't know That's that. right. Born and raised. 305, baby, till I die. Yeah. Rochester, nice. New York. Halifax, what's going on? Yes, Andre, M-I-M-I-M-I-A, don't play around. I'm going to launch this question right here. Go ahead and take part in this. This is how we tailor the conversation. It is about who's in the room. You're here to learn how to land more conversations with a cold call framework. We're going to give you a couple frameworks and even like inception style, like a framework within a framework. So be ready for that. Welcome back, everybody, to Sell Better, the daily sales show. We bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. Let us know what your role is. That's what we got here going. And tell us where you're tuning in from in the chat. Shout out to Sarah, sales trainer. We appreciate it. Uh, so I am your host, James Say What Sales Buckley, and I am joined by Mr. Jason Bay. He goes by Jay Bay. You might know him. Uh, Jay Bay is an actual cold caller extraordinaire. This man trains other people to cold call. I would refer to him as a sales soothsayer, so to speak. Uh, that's that's what I would say. Before you get ready to level up in 2023, you should know that we're here to help you. This is where you can go and learn all about what's available to you through Sell Better. Scan that QR code on your screen. Start joining us on a regular basis. We are live every single day, bringing you the best experts in the business to help you sell better. I want to give a big shout out to our partners. We could not do this without you. Thank you for making this episode possible. Gong and Vidyard. Gong bringing you something amazing. We have teamed up and given you 50 highly effective CTAs that actually inspire your prospects to take an action. We're going to drop that in the chat. There it is. Look for the sell better user. That's us dropping it in the chat for you. Go get it. What's up, Manuel? Good to see you. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about what you're going to get today. You're going to get some cold calling frameworks. We talked about that. You're going to get some strategies. Do it like Jason does. He's very good at this and he's going to show you how he navigates these conversations. Shout out to Jim from Monterey. And then we're going to show you how to maximize your efficiency. We're going to talk a lot about time blocks and time management. No big shockers. Look at the amount of SDRs in the room. What's popping, everybody? Good to see you. And shout out to the AEs that actually make cold calls. Yeah. We're going to talk directly yeah. to you here in just a moment. Uh, Jason, the thing that I want to start with is call reluctance. Because I feel like before we get into frameworks, we have to talk about the things that salespeople struggle with the most when it comes to call reluctance. So let's get into that first before we give the framework. I want to talk to you guys about this. Jason, call reluctance has a few talking points that you think are worth note here. Please break these down for everybody so that we can get it out on the table and start moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to be here. And uh, side note, are you available as like a hype man that I can like hire on the side or what? Dude? 
I actually, this is the best job in the world. I feel like I was made for this. Love you, train, dude. Um, so call reluctance. Uh, I'd love to hear from you in the chat. Have you ever experienced a time where you wanted to make a cold call and then you didn't because you got really nervous, anxious, you decided that something else would be a better use of your time? Give me a yes or a no in the chat. Have you ever experienced call reluctance? This will hopefully show you that uh, I've experienced it a ton. This will hopefully show you that you're not alone if you experience it. Yeah. So I think that general advice on call reluctance, I don't know what you were taught growing up in sales games, but it was Dude, just get over it. It's not that big of a deal. And for someone that's really scared to pick up the phone, hearing from someone else that it's not that big of a deal, I don't know about you, it doesn't really, doesn't really work that way. I always so, feel like it's a big deal to me. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's a big deal to me. Like, way to completely reject how I feel about this. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think there's two parts. If you understand where call reluctance comes from or any kind of reluctance to do something that is hard that you know you should do, but you don't want to, it's really kind of two parts. Uh, one, there could be an actual legitimate fear of, you know, getting rejected. Like that's, that's totally reasonable. Two, usually where that stems from though, is that whatever I've been taught to say, or the talk track I've been given, or the script I've been given, I'm just not really that confident in it that it actually works. Or I don't believe in my product. Well, I don't even know what it means. I've only been here a week. Yeah. So I think normalizing it, if you have fear around this, it's about acting in spite of that fear, not about getting rid of the fear. That's what call reluctance is about. Okay. So deconditioning, we're going to dig into, I got a like a little three, four part framework. Um, I go to therapy. I'm a big fan of therapy. I learned it in therapy. So if you've ever dealt with any kind of trauma or anything like that, uh, there's a process called deconditioning that you can use to like kind of pinpoint exactly what's going on and, and to make a new habit. And then we'll give some practical tips, James, on how to avoid call reluctance. So really kind of simple tips that you can use if you, uh, if you deal with it. Yeah. It's a good thing to have those ways to avoid it. I think it creeps up on us. People get in and they get really excited to be able to do it. And then when it comes time, there's all this no, and it only takes a few of those before you're like, forget this. I'm going to send emails for the rest yeah. of the day. Uh, one of the things that you said is that you hold these sessions around getting shit done. That's what you call it. Get shit done sessions. Uh, let me get a one in the chat. If your leadership holds a similar session with you, a get shit done session, uh, Jason, break your sessions down. What do you guys do in your sessions? Yeah. So, um, I, uh, I go to orange theory in the morning. So I'm one of those crazy people that wakes up at four 30, goes from five to six in the morning, you know, Monday through Thursday. And, um, what this is essentially doing is facilitating a group workout. Cause I, I don't know about you, James, I don't like going to the gym by myself. Mm. Um, I would never do a workout like an orange theory workout by myself either. I just would never do that. Um, and the fact that I can go and show up, there's other people there that also care, like have similar values, uh, to me, they care about their health. They they're prioritizing their exercise, all that kind of stuff. They're getting up early. Uh, the structure of the workout, I don't even have to think about it. I kind of just go and just do it. That's the same concept here with these get shit done sessions. If you're a rep watching this, I would bug your leadership to do it, or I would just set it up yourself to do with a few other reps. And if you're a leader on this call, what I've seen work really well at sales organizations, I'm actually rolling this out with like 12 sales teams right now at an org, um, one hour a week, maybe two hours a week, depending on if you're an SDR or not. You basically get everyone together and facilitate a specific type of prospecting activity. It could be a sales activity, but a really good example of something that you could do is structure an hour where 
hey, we all send and write emails together. Maybe we use something like Nooks and we all hop on and make cold calls together. Mm. Facilitate the activity, make it fun. If you're a leader, I think that the cool part that you can do here is you know, people are sending emails. You're looking at the emails, providing feedback. You're helping them find triggers and things that they could personalize and drop into the email. And the whole thing is that I've never really met anyone that loves prospecting and doing cold outreach. There's a few of those weirdos here and there. Uh, I, I'm kind of one of them, <laughs> but it's not an, it's not a go-to activity I do for fun. So if you can facilitate an activity that most people kind of don't like doing and do it together, it's 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 so effective for just increasing activity and just getting shit done. You know, I think I'm on the opposite end of that spectrum. I believe that I was born with that love of talking to strangers and people that don't know me. I like whatever it is that makes people nervous about meeting someone new. I don't have whatever that is. I don't know what that was. I was I just skipped that line when I was being made, I suppose. I'm seeing some questions in the Q in the in the chat here. They get buried in there. So if you have a question for Jason, throw it in the Q&A. We're about to get to another framework here. But first, I want to go back to this deconditioning. You said there were three steps to this, and I really want you to give people those steps before we show them that first framework and move on. Yeah, so I'll, I'll walk through the framework real quick with a an example that's not related to cold calling, just so you guys can see the parallel. So yeah. the three steps are identify the trigger, right? Or identify the pattern in this case, pinpoint the trigger, and then derail and replace. So identify the pattern. Since we're talking about socializing, I happen to be very introverted. Mm -hmm. And when I moved to Southern California away from Oregon in my early 20s, I had to go make friends by myself. And I noticed that I fell into a pattern of every time I would go out, I would immediately, like I picked up a smoking habit because I wanted to go outside when I was at the bar and smoke with other people that were smoking. So I had something in common to socialize with them. So that became this habit where I noticed this pattern of, hey, I'm starting to smoke like a pack a week almost. Pinpoint the trigger. I started really thinking about, well, what's the exact moment in time where I make a decision to go do that thing instead of talking to people that I don't know? Uh, it's when I walk in, I get really nervous. My heart starts beating. My hands get a little sweaty and I immediately revert to something that's not good for me, right? And the derail and replace part was like literally changing the narrative in my head to, oh, hey, instead of will these people like me, it's why don't I just say hi to a few people and see if I can have a conversation? You know what I mean? It's just kind of flipping the narrative. And uh, that's a personal example. How does that relate to cold calling? It's the same process, dude. Yeah. So if you got call reluctance, you've done the easy part, you've identified the pattern. Derail and replace, what I would do is get super specific and mindful about exactly when you experience call reluctance. So for some of you, that might be, I'm dialing the number on the phone here. And as I'm dialing it, my heart starts beating and I'm like, <laughs> uh, or I open up James's LinkedIn profile, look at him. I'm like, I think you're smiling in your picture, but a lot of sales executives don't smile. They're looked in pictures. I'm so looking at the picture. <laughs> I look at the picture and I'm like, oh God, you know, holy shit, this person looks really serious. They have 10 years of experience. Like, let me know in the chat if, if any of this stuff kind of goes through your head. Like, through my head all you, start the time. Yeah. Yourself. you see the job title and whatever sales engagement tool you're using. Um, so what I want you to do is first be really mindful about when do you experience it? And then there's some things that we can do to derail and replace. One hard thing that you can do, and then we're going to give the easy ones, is to yeah. change the narrative. So replace the narrative from... God, I'm wondering if this person will like me or why would this person want to talk to an SDR or I'm just an SDR or whatever. 
replace that instead of being me-centric, be more you-centric. Hey, I'm wondering if James is also focused on helping his account executive sell source pipeline right now, kind of like the other clients that we're working with. Hey, I noticed James has 10 years of experience. There's probably a, a, like a really interesting conversation I could have with him about his sales team and how they're adjusting in the, like this year with the current, you know, macroeconomic trends. That's like the hardest thing that probably takes the most work is to like train yourself to have a different narrative around like how you talk to yourself. That, by the way, for anyone that goes to therapy, that is therapy essentially is like the narrative that you tell yourself that that's, that's everything. And there's a couple of really easy things that you can do too. I'll give you two of them. Okay. Um, one is I'm standing up right now. My energy level is way different. Stan Are you standing up too, James? I'm always standing up if I'm yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. So energy level is way different when you're standing up versus when you're sitting down. So really simple thing that you can do is if you normally sit down and make calls, stand up and make calls instead. I happen to be a pacer. I don't know about you. I like to walk around in my little home office here mm -hmm. and I pace while I'm, I'm, I'm all set. I sway quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the other thing that you can do is change the goal of the call to an outcome that you have more control over. Most people go in and it's, I need to set a meeting. That's why I'm making calls. I need yes. to set meetings. A lot of that outcome is so much of it is based on stuff that is not in your control. Mm -hmm. The timing, especially what we're doing outbound is a huge one. Is the timing right for this person? Am I reaching out to the right person? There's so many things. So don't make the goal to start a, uh, to land a meeting, make the goal to start a conversation. So I always say conversations over meetings. My goal is to get this call to last longer than 30 seconds. That's my first goal. Yeah. If you can kind of break apart, which we're about to do, break apart the call into pieces, I'm going to have little micro goals. Because in a, I played basketball growing up in a basketball game. I'm not thinking the entire game. I need to win. I need to win. I'm thinking about the play that like right now, what I need to do. Do I need to go score? Do I need to play defense? Like you're thinking about something that's much closer. So change the outcome from I need to set a meeting to I need to start a conversation. And you know what? Part of what I need to accept when I do this activity is that not everyone will want to talk to me and that's totally okay. I, I think accepting that is one of the hardest things salespeople do, but I, I appreciate the fact that we're coming in and saying, don't try to land a meeting. That's the longer goal. It seems like a short term goal, but it's actually a longer term goal. The shorter term goal is get this person to want to continue to talk to me. That should be the question yeah. on every SDR's brain. How do I get this person to want to talk to me? Because that has to happen before any other chasms can be crossed. Now, I'm going to launch this question. And while you guys talk about it, Jason is going to give us a quick way to open a conversation so that we can give you the first framework because the framework that he's going to give you is contingent on that opener earning you a little bit more time. So Jason, what opener, what's the opener we're going to work with as we describe your framework here? Yeah. So our number one goal is to do in this intro, what I call make an entrance. So we're going to like compartmentalize the first 20, 30 seconds of the call. There's lots of ways that you can do that, but I want to get some sort of opt-in from the prospect that they want to participate in this call. Because one of the things we have to remember when we're cold calling is that every single person by definition that we call did not ask us to call them. Mm -hmm, that's right. So I find that using a PBL, a permission-based opener, there's lots of variations and styles and all kinds of stuff with this, but just doing a classic, hey, James, it's Jason. You mind if I take a minute to tell you the reason for my call? You can let me know if you want to keep chatting. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's it. Really that's all you've got to do. 
That's all you got to do. That'll yeah. work nine times out of 10. If your pace is great. If I sound like a peer, I'm not rushed. Mm-hmm. Right. So not the whole fast. thing. Of this, yeah. Not too fast. This whole part of making an entrance is I want to go from a telemarketer to a peer. I want to understand that I, I call them in uh, uh, invisible scripts. I, I can't remember Stanford or Meet Safety or one of those people kind of popularized the term invisible scripts, but I always want to think about what's the prospect expecting when they pick up a call and let me do something a little different. Mm. Well, most people get calls from telemarketers and robo dialers and all of that other kind of stuff. So I need to make sure I don't sound like a telemarketer. Telemarketers talk really fast. They talk a lot. They really have a reason for the call and they are trying to sell something to the person right away. So based on sale too fast is frustrating for every buyer. Look at some of these results right here. It looks like a lot of folks have one, but the the majority of people, 52% of those that voted do not have a current framework. So break this framework down for everybody. And I'll encourage everyone to take a screenshot of this framework so that you can use it internally and share it with your teams. Go ahead, Jason. Yeah. So it's make an entrance. That's your first 30 to 60 seconds. Uh, Sync up, we're going to talk about. So the sync up phase, what's really important is to move from shift to support. So I learned this from a book called um, You're Not Listening. It was prescribed homework from my wife, Sarah. And uh, one of the things they talked about a lot is, um, uh, James, we were talking about this before, right? Where our instinct in sales is when someone presents a problem to us, we like they give us a nail. We want to say, hey, we got a cool hammer, dude. In fact, it's different from all the other hammers. It's way better, you know, and you're really going to like this hammer. And how can we get other people like to like this hammer? At your, you know what I mean? So um, our instinct is to shift the focus onto us right the, so the prospect says exactly so let's say i do permission-based opener uh hey you got a minute for me to tell you a reason for my call great well hey i've been talking to a lot of sales executives especially at some of the clients we work with like gong Bedalia, and we're hearing a focus around two areas right now one is around getting aes to do more self-sourcing so getting them to produce more pipeline because you're not hiring at the rate that you did or or maybe not rehiring sdrs and two, just running way tighter sales cycles because deals are taking longer to close right now. So helping them thread and get power involved, helping them multi-thread with finance, et cetera. Either of those two sound remotely close to what you're focused on right now. That's the priority drop. So hopefully I've nailed that part. And the prospect will at that point usually say, yeah, I'm focused on those things or yeah, that specific thing I'm focused on or none of those things. The sync up part is now I need to actually engage in somewhat of a conversation. I need to spend a minute or two having some great questions to ask here. So again, if the if the prospect in this case, James says, uh, yeah, self-sourcing, we're definitely trying to do that. Your instinct is going to be awesome. I'm so glad I called. We have great trainings for that. Or we have a great solution that can help you with that. Let's let's grab some time. Self-sourcing is exactly what we provide. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what we do. Um, I want to refrain from doing that. Right. And I want to actually build a little bit of rapport, demonstrate some business acumen. And I'm going to do that through asking a couple of really smart questions in the framework here. It's called question stacking. Uh, let me get there. Types of questions you can ask are ones that have zero context into why you're asking them. Look at that. James is just on the money today. No, I, I was uh, like, I was ready for this or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, so um, what we want to do is stack context in front of the question. So I want you guys to think about executives that you've spoken with and the executives I speak to on a regular basis, or it's typically a VP of sales, sometimes a chief revenue officer, 
So if I ask a question like, well, what's your biggest challenge with outbound in the team right now? What I've demonstrated through that question is that I don't really talk to a lot of people like this person, and I don't really have a lot of insight into what this person's peers are dealing with. Uh, so in other words, I've demonstrated, yeah, I've demonstrated bi zero business acumen. So what we're trying to do through our questions is to demonstrate the old coveted trusted advisor status, right? That's what we want to demonstrate. So what I want to do through the stacking part, the context is I can talk about a problem or I can share an insight. Mm. So we, we talked about get shit done sessions earlier. We so did. this is that, that's a question that I could ask. I could say, um, James, uh, so you're trying to get AEs to self-source. I'm curious. Um, a lot of our clients are finding a lot of success. They facilitate these get shit done sessions where they actually block hours on the calendar where the entire sales org prospects together and they've seen a lot of increases in activity. Mm. How are you uh, helping reps facilitate the activity and helping your frontline leaders facilitate the prospecting activity to increase the uh, the amount of meetings that you guys are setting? So I can share an insight. So that's something that another client's doing. Or I could have talked about a problem. I could say, hey, one of the biggest challenges we hear from self-sourcing right now is that AEs are kind of having to do it for the first time. So there's not a lot of enablement in place for it. They're not quite sure what accounts to focus on, what to say when they pick up the phone, that sort of stuff. How does that compare to your experience with your AEs right now? These question stacks make a lot of sense. And with the context in front of them, I feel like people attach their emotional status to what the question is that comes after it. I, I almost feel like there's a moment where instead of, and again, this is our instinct, oh, that's exactly what we provide, self-sourcing. It's like, what is happening right now that makes you believe that that's the solution is almost a better reaction than being like, oh, you have this problem? Here, I'm the solution. People like yeah. run away screaming from this response, even though it almost feels like a natural response that we should be going for. I want to come back yeah. though, because now that we've stacked some questions, and put some context in front of it, you have to get the agreement and then transition to the scheduling of the time. My belief is that most salespeople that are six months in get really good at earning more time. Then they get really good at asking important questions after that. This is the part that I think people struggle the most with. Now that I have you talking and you're interested in learning more, how do I transition into you agreeing that you wanna spend time with me getting this in place? Talk to me about this last step. It's not say goodbye, even though you have it labeled that way, it's more like, let's make sure we have everything in place and then see you later. <laughs> yeah. As I'm explaining this, let me know in the chat, what do you guys, what have I not talked about at all so far in this? Let me know in the chat. Let's see if, uh, let's see if y'all can guess here. What have I not talked about so far? Oh, storytelling. Mike has storytelling. Your product. <laughs> exactly. I've not talked about our product, my, our solution. None of that kind of stuff. Okay. So essentially what I've done is I've made an entrance by talking about what we do through the lens of a customer. So I've talked like other customers that we work with are working on things like this. How does that align? I'm looking for alignment in priorities. Do the priorities that our customers typically have align with yours? And then I'm going to ask questions and sync up. The say goodbye part, what we want to do is we want to be the person that facilitates the next step. We don't want to just let the call keep going where the buyer says, I'm, Hey, I'm, I got to run into a meeting. I'm about to, you know, do whatever. Right. Um, I want to end the call. Okay. And the way that we do this is once you ask a couple questions and you feel like you got enough here, like there's some good meat on the bones to create a reason to meet, I'm just going to stop and say, um, 
Hey, James, um, so what I heard from you today is that, uh, so it sounds like you're trying to get a self-source. You're just building out the enablement content. There's a big initiative internally to do this, to uh, capture some more Fortune 1000 logos to kind of round out your, your customer base there. Did I miss anything? No? Yeah, that sounds about right. Hey, do you mind if I make a quick suggestion? And usually you get a funny response to that prospect would be like, uh, yeah, what's up? Um, I promised I'd be short at the beginning of this call. This is the exact challenge that we're helping organizations like Medallia, Gong, and a few other similar sized organizations with. Uh, how about we unpack this a little bit more and I'm not calling you in the middle of your day. Do you got your calendar handy? And then you transition right into scheduling the meeting. This is a good transition. I, I, I okay. just want real quick. I see a lot of questions in the chat. Make sure you're throwing those in the Q and A so Jason can answer them. Go ahead, buddy. Uh, so two things that you want to do when you're confirming the meeting is make sure that the prospect understands the agenda. And I can't remember who said this. I actually like, instead of agenda, I like to use the word outcomes. Okay. So make sure they understand what the outcome of that meeting will be. Executives love this stuff, right? Like they want to hop on a meeting that has an, a, like, like actual like outcomes and agenda items on it. Yeah. John so always says sure executives you, crave structure. Yeah. So, and, and by the way, you make the meeting, it's way harder for an executive to cancel or no show a meeting if it aligns with something that is a priority for them. So those are like, make sure that you're aligned on the outcome of the call. And the first outcome should be um, discuss XYZ's initiatives around AE self-sourcing and getting to 30% self-sourcing from their AEs by end of 2023, right? You should have uncovered something specific like that in the call. Um, the second thing that I'm going to do, and this is another pro tip, is get the prospect to confirm and accept the calendar invite on the call while you have them. Hey, James, uh, just to make sure that this thing go to spam, do you mind quickly hitting accept on the calendar yeah. invite? I want to make sure it went through. Yeah, I use that one and I'll often say, I just sent that invite over. Do you see it? Do you see it is like magic language. They're like, hang on. That's always the answer. Hang on. And they're either looking on their phone or they're going and they're checking their inbox at their desk. Uh, this part is essential for the transition piece. You can say goodbye after they accept that meeting, right? And don't do that thing. I'm a caution all the new reps in the room right now. Don't do the thing where you're like, great, thanks. I'll send you an email and follow up. No, you won't. They'll never talk to you again. Make sure they accept that meeting beforehand. I want to pivot because I asked you a very specific question around this time when we were getting this thing ready. And I said, how do we build flexibility into our frameworks? And the way you responded was very interesting. You said, I look at this like the difference between frameworks and scripts. Talk to me about the difference between these two things so that everyone in the room yeah. understands. I think by the way, there's a time and place for both. When you're first getting started with something, it should be fairly scripted. Cause you know what? I don't want to have to think too much about what I'm going to say. Like I kind of just need to say it and just start doing the activity. So the difference though between these two is that frameworks provide bumper guards and they allow for flexibility. So make an entrance. What we said is our goal is to gain permission. So get an opt-in of some sort. We didn't say you have to use this permission-based opener, <laughs> right? We said gain permission. There's a lot of different permission-based openers to Shane's question. I gave one example. Uh, sometimes I like giving context at the beginning and then asking for permission at the end. So you can be like, uh, hey, Shane, was giving you a call. I noticed that you're hiring a bunch of account executives right now. My guess is that you want them self-sourcing. Oh, by the way, it's it's Jason with Outbound Squad. Do you, you mind if I take a minute to show the reason for my call? So that's a style that you can do. And there's a bunch of different other types of stuff that you could do there. 
Um, but the frameworks versus scripts, I want to think about what are the principles at play? Yeah. The principles at play here are that hardly any prospect picks up a cold call on purpose. They want to know the reason for the call and they want to feel like they can, like it's their, like they're deciding if they want to participate in it. So however you accomplish that is up to you. We gave you some guidelines, but that's what I love it. But that's the difference between frames and frameworks and scripts. I'll give you another permission base opener. Shane, I do this one a lot. Thanks for taking the call. Do you have a moment before your next meeting? Yeah. This only can get answered one of three ways. Yes, I have a moment. My response is not, my name is James and I'm with Sell Better because they don't care who I am. My response is, great, this will be awesome. The reason I'm calling is, and then I give the actual reason and usually I insert my trigger there, right? Do you have a moment is my subconscious signal to them, it's not a scheduled call. Before your next meeting steals the ability for them to say, I'm in a meeting, which is the dumbest response that someone that took your cold call can give you. No, you're not. Yeah. You never take a call in a meeting. That's 100% yeah. true. I have to give, we have to give people one more framework, but before I want to ask this question, because we've talked a little bit about making time to make this happen. So this is where everybody gets to be honest, but these are anonymous. Nobody's outing you. How much time do you actually dedicate to cold calling in your week? Well, that's what I want to know. Uh, this is a different framework, so we're going to change your brain a little bit. I told you we were going to give you multiple frameworks here. We gave you the first framework, and then we gave you the framework for question stacking. This is Jason's second framework for cold calling. Break this one down, how it works on a cold call. Yeah, you definitely want to catch the replay, you guys, and listen in slow motion, because I'm talking fast today. <laughs> um, so, so Evo framework is, uh, you're going to get objections, right? That happens on every cold call. Um, really, the the difference between an average performer, which by the way, according to Gong, only converts about one and a half percent of their cold calls into a next step compared wow. to a top performer, which is about one out of every three. I've seen as high as 40%. The difference between those two is really your ability to prevent objections like what you did, James, in your opener and then handle objections. So Evo, it's empathize, validate, offer. What we're trying to accomplish here is we're trying to do the opposite again of what the prospect would expect. When they say not interested, what they're expecting is for either a rep to just stop or they're expecting there to kind of be a confrontation, which is honestly why most prospects lie. They don't want to deal with it. You know, they don't want to have someone try to convince them about why they should be interested. So your goal in the empathize and validate piece is I just want you to know that I heard you. I hear you. So if someone says not interested at the beginning of the call, Let's think about why they might say they're not interested. They might be busy doing something else. They might have thought that you were someone else. They obviously uh, have something that's probably more important than taking your call right now. Let's let's just say that. Hey, sounds like I might have caught you in the middle of something, James. All good. Yeah. That's it. That's all I need to do is just acknowledge them. Someone says, um, we're already using XYZ competitor. Hey, sounds like you might be taken care of here. I'm sure you put a lot of thought into being that you have 15 years of experience. I'm sure you put a lot of thought into the solution. It might've been a part of bringing it in. Sometimes, I just want to acknowledge first. Sometimes for my acknowledgement, I'll say things like, yeah, we get that a lot. Here's what I hear. Here's why I hear that. Right. And that's, that allows me to continue the conversation. And sometimes I'm hitting the nail on the head and sometimes they're like, no, that's not our problem. Our problem is, and, Hey, I win anyway. I got the problem. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So you do another thing really well, James, and that's customer voice, yeah. right? You share a lot of stories. You talk about what you're hearing from other people. That's exactly right. what we want to do here. Yeah. So if it's uh, not interested, let's say, and let, let's say they maybe cut you off in the middle of your opener. It's like, hey, sounds like I might have caught you in the middle of something. All good. 
I did do some research. Do you mind if I share what I found? And you can let me know if you'd like to hang up or if we could continue talking for another 30, 60 seconds. Like that one. Let's go in. Um, for, okay, what do we got here? So what's your- Yeah, look at that. I wanted to I wanted to pull this up because we're talking about, you know, how much time we dedicate and we launched this. It's interesting to me that the first and second option are so close and the, the second and third one, I wonder if that's uh, indicative of like enterprise and- uh, SMB and mid-market, or if it's indicative of like where people are in the journey. Cause I know newer sales reps tend to focus on cold calling first. I don't know why that's always the reason. I don't, what's the reason do you think that people start cold calling first sales leaders everywhere before they get you writing emails or reaching out on social, they're immediately like, let's get you on the phones. Why is it that way still Jason? I like, I like a phone first approach. Don't get me wrong, but I don't like just saying like treating it like it's just a conversation because it's not just a conversation. It's a, it's a call with a very specific purpose that requires an immense amount of skill. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you think about the conversions, like think about even someone that, that, that books one out of every three uh, calls into a meeting, think about typical pickup rate right now is like four or 5%. Yeah. You can make maybe 20 calls, let's say in an hour, if you're not using a dialer. So if I'm an account executive making calls for one hour a day, let's say Monday through Friday, and I get on average one pickup, that's going to be like maybe two meetings for the entire week that took five hours of time plus whatever research I needed to. And that's if I'm a stud, just straight world class at this skill. Yeah. So you have to be a freaking assassin on the phones in order for it to even make sense. So I don't like the, oh yeah, just go pick up the phone and have some conversations. That's how you create call reluctance because what's going to happen to that person is you're going to get rejected hard, hard. Yeah. If you come in, like your natural instinct, if you're getting into sales is to talk about your solution because that's the only thing that you know at this point in your sales journey. And that's going to that's gonna be met with a shit ton of rejection. So just, I, I don't like that, but I do like a phone first approach where it's like, that to me is an easier game to figure out than the email game. The email game is so hard and it's just like always changing and shifting. Yeah. Yeah. The principles for a solid cold call, they were the same 10 years ago. Like it's the same stuff. You might need to get like through your intro faster, but a good solid call when someone picks up, that hasn't, the structure hasn't really changed that much. Human nature, like, human yeah. nature is human nature 100% yeah. of the time. There might be some small variances, but also I find it to be cyclical, right? You, feel, you hear people that are like, oh, how are you? I never start a call that way. Two years later, you hear how are you is like the number one starter for cold yeah. calls. It's very cyclical in that way. I want to give somebody a phrase. I want to give everybody a phrase that they should start using on their cold calls that you've been using that tends to be very helpful. And I'll be answering questions here in a moment. So get your questions into the Q&A so that we can answer. Now, you said that this has changed a lot about the way people respond to you when you reach out and you cold call. How do you use this? Where does it go in your in your call. Yeah. I got a lot of shit when I posted this. I'm I know you do. <laughs> um, okay. So the principle here is that the next step, let's say that you're an account executive. If you don't feel comfortable promising a prospect on the call, if I don't feel comfortable promising James on the call, that if you take a call with me, it's going to be worth your time. If I don't feel comfortable making that promise, I need to figure out how to re-engineer that first call in order to make it worth this time. Sure. Okay. So what makes it worth it? Uh, it's time for a prospect. If it's an executive, especially they want to know proof points. What are other customers like them doing in a world-class way with your solution? Yep. That's what they want to know. That needs to be the promise. So hopefully you talk about that in your first call, you share some sort of insight, something 
a nugget. For me, a lot of it is like the insight I share in, in the one of the first calls is 85 to 90% of sales training is forgotten in 90 to 120 days. And that's a stat from Rain Group. Right. And I just like, I talk about why. So it's like, hey, we're not here to talk about training because training by itself is not effective. We know that. Without reinforcement, coaching, all of the other stuff, the training is not effective. Yeah. That's an insight that I bring into the first call with a customer. So the promise, I promise it'll be worth your time. That's a great way to handle an objection if someone's like, hey, we're already using a competitor. Hey, I totally hear you. I was making cold calls for a customer that sells CRM solutions. Hey, I totally hear you, James. Yo, I thought that you had a CRM when I picked up the phone and called you, but that's actually not the reason I was calling you. The reason I was giving you a call is that we're finding that students are applying to five times more universities than they were even three or four years ago. And I wanted to talk about how some of our customers at like Oregon State University, University of Oregon, places right down the road from you up in Washington, how they're differentiating the application process so that they're not losing students to competing universities. Promise it'll be worth your time. You got your calendar handy? That's how I like to work it in. So it's not a magic phrase that's going to like change the prospect's mind. It's if I don't feel comfortable saying that, then I need to rethink about what I'm asking of the prospect because I think there's another stat from, from Rain Group also, 58% of prospects that they pulled B2B executives feel like sales calls are a complete waste of time. Ah. So don't be that rep that wastes a prospect's time, like make it worth their time. And you do that by sharing what other customers similar to them, get a few best practices, a few little nuggets to work into your intro calls and your demo calls. Yeah. The reason they feel like it's a waste of time is because many sales reps come in with scripts, but they don't feel the passion behind them. They don't know why they're saying what they're saying. They're just going through the motions. They're not listening to what people are saying back to them when they finally do earn a conversation because what they're saying is relevant. And I think being able to truly understand your prospect will help with that. And obviously cold calling will never be one of those things that's not effective. Cold calling will always be an effective way to start a conversation with a stranger. Let's answer a couple of, of questions here from our audience. David says, how do you set proper prospecting quotas or goals? Talk about that for a moment. Uh, so there's a, uh, really long answer that I'll give you the short one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like, and you guys need a resource for this. Know your sales path. Okay. I don't know if uh, one someone on your uh, the sell better team can link up to that in the chat. We can drop it. Yeah, we can drop it. So let's do let's do that. <laughs> yeah, there's a calculator where you can put your goal, your quota, and all that kind of stuff, and you can reverse engineer how many sales calls you got to run and how many meetings you need to set, and reverse engineer the activity and you know, all of that kind of stuff. So you need to do that exercise. Calculate your sales math all the way from closed deal all the way down to how many activities do I need to put in, and then I can say, okay, cool, I need. 200 activities per week, let's say, if I'm an account executive, now I know that I can break those 200 activities out Monday through Friday, and that's 40 activities a day between email and phone and social. That's the level of granularity that you need to get to, David. Yo, David, I just put that resource right there in the chat. Everybody go and get that resource for you. That's how you can calculate your, uh, your quotas, the way that you do it. Yes, know your equation. Thank you, Kelsey. I appreciate that. Uh, Manuel, I hope you go by Manny because I'm going to say Manny. Manny says, what are your thoughts on asking if they've heard of your company after you after you gave relevance and the priority point? I hate asking this question. Okay, why? <laughs> Tell us why. The reason why is that if you're relying on like 
them knowing about your company to get the meeting, that could also do you a huge disservice. Okay. So one of my clients that I worked with, uh, the tool that we're communicating on right now, they sell something like that. Okay. Uh, video communication software. When they would open up with their name, you know what people would say? We already got one of those. We already have something. The call is not about your solution. That's not what prospecting is about. The goal of prospecting is to find alignment with that prospect around the priorities and problems that they have compared to other people like them. That is the goal. I'm just looking for people that fit the mold of people that we offer an incredible amount of value to. Asking if they've heard of your company before doesn't really help you do that in my experience. So I would avoid it. You don't need to do it. I'd rather have them ask me, hey, so what company are you with? Oh, I'm with Outbound Squad. You know, we've worked with similar types of companies that are running into these problems. How does that relate to what you're running into right now? That's how you want to use it. Yeah. And I like Jason's comment here. Shout out to Jason. He's been a Sell Better member for quite some time. He says brand name doesn't always have the impression that, of what differentiates you. And that's true. If you if you say, have you heard of me? And they're like, yeah, I've heard of you, but only vaguely. How is that differentiating you from something they actually know intimately? It doesn't, right? Um, this is a good one from Andre. He says, can you review how to go from, we talked about X, Y, and Z today. Did I miss anything to when are you available for the next steps? This is that transition we talked about earlier and you gave a good example, but let's give it to Andre one more time. Customer story. So, hey, we talked about XYZ. Did I miss anything? No. Hey, that sounds good. Great. Well, um, like I said before, uh, I wanted to keep the call short today. We've actually helped other organizations like X, Y, and Z with very similar challenges and would love to share some of those insights with you. Do you have your calendar handy? And then go schedule the meeting. Do you have your calendar handy or I just sent you the invite? Did you get it? These types of things are so impactful. Uh, Anonymous, shout out to Anonymous. Thank you for asking this question. Uh, do you recommend a cold call voicemail framework? Do you have a, a voicemail framework that you use? And this doubles for Kayla's, which is what are your thoughts on voicemail? So we'll answer both of those right now. Uh, talk to me about voicemail. What do you got? Uh, Orem analyzed a million calls between, uh, I think it was in 2022. And what they tested was if a voicemail is left on the first call, how does that affect pickup rates and future calls? What they found is that the subsequent pickup rate so the second, third, fourth time that you call someone, the pickup rate is 25.8% higher yeah. when you leave a voicemail on the first call. So 25.8%, just so you know, that's that's going from like 4% pickup rate to 5% pickup rate, right? A 25% increase. It's significant, right? It's the difference between multiple conversations in a month. So should you leave voicemails? Yes. Um, in terms of what you leave in the voicemail, I'm a really big fan of pointing the voicemail towards something else that's lower friction. The highest friction thing that you can ask a prospect to do is schedule a meeting with you. The second highest thing that you can uh, ask the prospect to do is to pick up the phone and call you back. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's a lot of work. Like think about if it's someone really busy that's got meetings stacked, That's that's this feels like a lot of work and then you're going to play phone tech. So I'm just going to say, hey, James, no need to call me back. I sent you an email. It's called AE self-sourcing. Not sure if that's something you're focused on right now. We're hearing a lot of sales leaders trying to get their AEs to self-source. Subject line of that email again is AE self-sourcing. This is Jason. No need to call me back. Check your inbox. Yeah. That's it. Check your inbox is big for ending that. I will often also say, no worries. I'm not going to leave my phone number here because you're not going to call me back, but look for my email. It's on the way, right? It's kind of funny. And they're like, yeah, no shit. I'm not going to call you back. <laughs> Jason, where can people connect with you? Where would they go? Why would they do that? 
Totally. Uh, I'll drop in. Let's connect on LinkedIn for sure. So I post daily content on LinkedIn, not just about cold calling, uh, also about selling too. So for you AEs, discovery or uh, running a webinar tomorrow on demos, multi-threading, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then the other thing would be check us out at uh, outboundsquad.com. Amazing. Uh, Outboundsquad.com. Go check that out. Jason is a wealth of knowledge. He will help you to become a better cold caller and a better overall seller. I guarantee that from me to you. I want you guys to follow us on social, sellbetter.xyz on Instagram. Check out our new website, sellbetter.xyz to learn more about membership. We will see you guys tomorrow. Thank you so much for spending your afternoon with us and learning. Jason, thank you for sharing your wisdom. We always appreciate your uh, incredible experience, my friend. You bet. Thank you, James. Talk to you later, everybody. Have a great day. Go get them. Later. See ya.